0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD radio broadcasting for the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can always email us as well radio at agphd.com. So spring herbicide applications are topic and when I look at things that are happening at our farm, we're definitely ahead of the curve here. Um, with farmers in our region as far as getting stuff in the ground. I've I've talked to a lot of farmers that have just gotten going. It's been cold. It's been windy. just hasn't been super pleasant to be out there, but it's been dry in our immediate area. When you branch out from that a little bit, I was talking to an agronomist in eastern Minnesota. He said, man, we've been wet. You guys have really struggled to get into the field. And I did notice today, this morning, the winds were... 10 to 15 miles per hour for a little while and at that point I saw a lot of the custom applicators out trying to get things on and I thought oh I'm so glad I don't have that job right now because when you get a windy year like this and the weather's just against you it makes it tough to get a lot of stuff done, and, and for those guys who are trying to do work for lots of people, uh, I don't envy the task that it's hard enough just getting things done for our own farm with our own equipment <laughs> that all we have to do is get in it and take it out to the field, and it's still hard to find the the right time to get those things done. So some of this stuff, we had questions come in all the time about fall application. This is one of the reasons that, that folks like to do some of those fall applications is just to avoid some of the weather issues that oftentimes we get in the Midwest with windy conditions and, and just erratic temperatures and those types of things in the spring as as we start moving from winter and into the next season. Other things that are happening out there, just just watching how field conditions are. Uh, soil temperatures have been an interesting discussion. I was talking to a farmer this morning and he asked, man, he goes, you guys got quite a bit of crop in already. I noticed a number of your fields are planted what was the soil temperature when you planted? And you know, are the seeds sprouting? How how much growth is there on the seed and you know, I've talked to some farmers around that have said, "Man, the seed is just laying in dry dirt and just laying there just waiting for a rain, which it looks like we're going to get this weekend, which would be great." But for the most part, we planted into moisture. So we've got seed that's starting to germinate and starting to to grow and and uh, everything looks good so far. We'll see what it gets out of the ground, but at least at this point, it looks like we're in, or I mean, we're anticipating a really good stand. And soil conditions have varied. The temperatures have been, uh, I think the first day we were planting, it was 47 degrees in soil temp in the morning. And by the afternoon, it was in the 50s. We had a nice sunny day. The next day, the soil temperatures got up into the 60s. We had a 63-degree night, which for those of you in the south, that may not sound like much. But for us in the north, it's like, whoa, that's that's awesome. It stayed over 60 overnight. And wow, that was a big, big difference. Then the next day, soil temperatures were, were in the 60s as well, uh, down at seeding depth and and that was that was pretty nice. So we did have some nice warm conditions for a while. We've had some colder conditions, and and we've done other things out in the fields rather than plant on some of those mornings. It's been really cold, but but for the most part, it's been it's been okay. Uh, we haven't had the snow cover that they've had further north from us. We haven't had heavy rains like they've had in some parts of the country too. So we, we've managed to avoid that. And when you have dry soil, and you're only trying to warm up air. Uh, that can change really fast. So this time of year conditions, uh, you know, when you look at, oh boy, your soil temp is 47. When it was 47 that morning, it was sunny and it was really dry. I was like, oh, we're going to be really warm later. And, and it was, we just needed sunshine and and everything warmed up. So if you're in those situations, that's cool. Uh, I talked to a farmer in Minnesota today who said, it's just gloomy, just gloomy all the time. And uh, we, we just need the sun to break through. We, we get showers and, and this kind of thing, and, and I get it. Things are, are probably colder there. Soils are colder and all that. But as soon as conditions get fit and things warm up and the soil gets back to 25% air, 25% water, 50% soil, uh, th- things will be much better. Looking at some of the supply issues, we get a lot of questions about what's happening on supply, and we just haven't had trouble getting products to control the weeds. And I I think if you look around and you aren't just sold on one particular product, uh, you're going to find that you're going to be able to kill the weeds. It's not going to be an issue or the bugs or the disease or whatever you're trying to fight out there in terms of crop protection products. But what's interesting, I was talking to an ag chem dealer uh, in Minnesota today who said, you know what, I actually turned down a shipment of Liberty. And I'm like, wait a second. Liberty's, people have been saying all winter, this is really tight supply, it's tight supply. And he said, yeah, he said, the price is high enough now that guys are looking for other alternatives. And in Minnesota, it's a majority of the acres of soybeans are going to be enlist soybeans. And, and he said, you know, enlist one is just so much cheaper than a shot of Liberty that the guys are just going to do it with pre's and enlist one and, and hope to get by with that. And I thought, that's very interesting. And and I know Brian had said that before, too, that he thought the price was high enough to kind of ration the supply out. And that way, the Liberty gets where it needs to get, like Liberty Lake canola acres, those kinds of things where they don't have enough good alternatives. Uh, but I did think that was kind of interesting. And that's the first time I've heard someone say, you know, I'm actually turning down Liberty that I could get so I wonder if this is the point where things start turning around. I know by next year we're anticipating there's going to be plenty of supply and the price is going to come down, but we'll see. It, it could change, uh, but it, it's cer- certainly starting to look like that, and that's encouraging for me. Uh, also, talked I've talked to you more than one ag chem dealers here uh, just in the last few days on Roundup, and they've kind of said the same thing, that, you know, I think I'm, think I'm in good shape on Roundup, and everybody was saying that was going to be tight too, but but guys have switched out and and when Roundup isn't super cheap anymore there are cheaper alternatives to do some things so so that supply is rationed out too so that's been some interesting developments that have been happening and then for farmers everywhere just to watch legislation and what's going on and I know this time of year we aren't paying as much attention but uh, caught this from a farm network uh, in the upper Midwest that the state of Minnesota is proposing some some rules that would not be so farmer friendly. Uh, So hopefully uh, folks in that state are kind of paying attention to those things and and getting their voices heard and and getting their input in and and hearing both sides of the issue to know, okay well what is the the concern and how can we meet that. One thing I'm concerned about is spring herbicide application going on in farms across the country. We'll talk about that coming up next.
1: If one of your spring chores is getting the side dress bar back in shape, 360 Yield Center has a better idea. Hi, I'm Greg Souder, 360 Yield Center. Rather than throw more money into bearings and colders, replace them with 360 Y Drops for your side dress bar. You'll never replace bearings again. You'll get faster, more efficient nitrogen response. In our tests, that gives a six bushel boost. Less maintenance, more corn from 360 Y Drops.
2: Take a second and listen. you hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, Hyphae attached to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions.
3: Fight resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide resistant strains. Tough 5EC has a synergistic effect with HPBD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit belchumusa.com. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, and we're talking spring herbicide application. Now, obviously, things are going to vary depending on where you're at in uh, North America and what what the geography you're in. Maybe you're in a different country or a different continent. Uh, what what this means to you, but spring application ahead of spring crops is kind of what I'm thinking. But uh, I've already seen some feedback coming back in. Hey, you're going to talk about fall applications as well and how that impacts what you do in the spring. You know what? There's getting to be more fall applications made, especially with reduced till, with guys that have winter annual weeds in their area, those types of things. So we can certainly talk about that as well. We'll start off down south here with Eric Prosco with University of Georgia. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, how
4: are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: You bet. Now you got a number of different crops in your state. Uh, do you do you find most of the crops now are getting pre-emerge type applications, or or are a lot of the guys converting to doing stuff post-emerge in your state?
4: Uh, I think uh, over the years since we've trained, since we've dealt more with uh, herbicide-resistant weeds, the use of pre's has pretty become pretty common now. You know, it's that's the that's one of the foundations of our recommendations for trying to keep weeds out of the field is starting clean and then having a residual down at planting and then let's go from there and see what happens.
0: You know, there are a lot of challenges with applications earlier in the season and, and some of them like what we found this spring, wind. Uh, also, weather that's a little colder than you like or at least nighttime temperatures for sure that are colder than you'd like. Uh, how do you coach guys on when is the right time to pull the trigger if you've got weeds that are already up and need to kill them?
4: Well, that that that's a good question. As you know, for us down here in the south, it's a little warmer than where you are. I think most of the time, so you know we're already uh, well past that stage as far as our our, our spring burn downs have gone out probably a month or two ago, or maybe longer, and so. You know, one of the things we're all I'm always looking at is you know what's the nighttime temperature going to be, and if we're going to get below 50 degrees or 40 degrees, then I'm I'm going to tell somebody, hey, let's wait and see what happens uh, with the weather, and don't don't spray when we get cold. Uh, but sooner or later it's going to warm up. But uh, I think we've got to watch the temperatures, uh, especially I'm, I'm sure up where you are, that's a big concern. Uh, but for us now at this time of year, if we're doing any plant burn downs, uh, I'm in my office right now. It's 80 degrees and sunny. That sounds nice to me.
0: Okay, so let's take the other end of the spectrum, Eric. Uh, how about as it gets too hot? Because you're certainly going to have days that are well over 90 oh. coming soon. Uh, where do yeah. you stop pulling the trigger there? Is 90 degrees a cutoff in your area?
4: Well, that's that's a great question. I've always said, you know, I've been getting gray in hair and long in the tooth. I always said the two the two biggest challenges for weed control was we go out through the year, are big weeds and dry, hot weather, right? So, Fortunately for us in many parts of the South, at least in our state, we have some irrigation so we can, that helps us uh, alleviate some of the heat and problems that we have. But uh, uh, certainly when we're talking about dicamba and things like that, we need to be conscious of those of those temperatures. But I don't know that anybody stops spraying with when we're in the 90s and stuff if the things need to be be sprayed we're typically going to spray them because every day we delay that means that we're going to be a a day delayed down the line or more if if some uh, inclement weather comes in but yeah it's definitely unique down here we've got uh, the warm weather to deal with and the dry weather but we we do have a fair amount of irrigation which really saves us a lot of time especially with pre-emergence herbicides
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, when you think about those pre's, it does take moisture to get them to work. And uh, I've been in Georgia and been in just powdery, dry, sandy soil. And I think, my goodness, they're going to have to irrigate just to get these things to work. And for where I'm at, we're dry land farmers for the most part, and we've got some heavier soils than that. And I know that it takes moisture to make these things work. We usually figure it takes at least an inch or two, and then things work a hundred percent. But if we can get a half inch to an inch, well, we can at least get 80% of it to work. What do you figure in Georgia? Is it something where you put these herbicides on and you immediately start watering to make them work?
4: Well, well that's probably one of my most common recommendations. You know. I'll just take peanuts, for example. We're right in the process of planting. Now, you know, if somebody calls me up and says, hey, what do you think? I'll say, hey, plant spray and turn on that pivot as soon as you can. I'd like to get at least a half inch or so on there to get for a couple reasons number one to get those residual herbicides activated and number two to get that crop uh, up and going with a little bit of moisture so uh, that's a great not now only not every grower has irrigation about 50 percent of our peanuts and 50 percent of our cotton are irrigated about 80 percent of our corns irrigated so it's not a hundred percent so we still have to live with uh, the dry weather that happens Uh, we're in a little drought right now as a matter of fact Uh, Uh, It hasn't really rained here in a few weeks, so uh, that's causing some people some heartburn with some residual herbicides that don't have irrigation.
0: Sure, sure. Well, another thing when you think about those residual herbicides – we're seeing more acres with cover crops. We're seeing heavy residue in a lot of fields as, as guys have reduced tillage for, for various reasons. And I know that a lot of that pre-emerge herbicide ends up sprayed onto residue and needs to come off the residue. Do you see issues with that? Have you changed up how you're recommending things with, with cover crops, with reduced tillage, heavy residue, those things?
4: Well, we have about, I would say, with the major crops that I work on, most, and, you know, the, the big one is peanuts, about 25% of our crop is, is reduced tillage. And actually, we, we do more strip tillage here than no-till. And we're typically stripping into uh, perhaps a cereal rye cover crop or maybe just some winter weeds. And, you know, occasionally we have some problems Um you know, sometimes we'll bump our rate up a little bit on a residual maybe you know five percent or something like that to try to overcome some of those residual effects um, it just depends but, but uh mostly we're, we're stripping into rye or maybe just winter wheat so it's it's not a, a supreme amount of cover crop that that might be in, in your area if, if they planted clover or something like something with a little heavier biomass
0: Sure, sure. You know, a lot of these residual herbicides, we're talking about root and shoot inhibitors. And the companies will say you want to have it very concentrated in that top inch or so of soil. Yet uh, many guys are doing tillage. And I I know we always say we want the youngest guy on the farm doing the tillage because he's not going to go deep. He's going fast. The oldest guy on the farm goes slower and usually gets deeper because he wants it to look pretty out there. And uh, I don't know. Do you have that same problem in Georgia?
4: Well, it's, it's, I think there's some good science behind, you know, that old adage is that we want to, most of our weeds, if you think about most of the weeds that we have, of course, there's some, some, there's always exceptions to the rule. Most of our weeds are going to come from that upper one to two inches. Right, so that's where we want the herbicides to be. So when the root, if it's a shoot or a root-inhibiting herbicide, you know that that's going to be where the herbicide is when that plant's either germinating or the shoot starting and shoots starting to emerge. And like I said, most of our weeds are coming from those one to two inches, so that's where we want it. Sure, we've got exceptions, some perennials, some morning glories that can develop from deeper depths and larger seeded grasses like Texas panicum, for example, can come from larger depths, but most of that emergence is coming from that one to two inch uh, level in the soil.
0: Yep. Yep. That's for sure. I agree. Uh, Okay. Last thing then for you, I'll end with something really easy. Since you mentioned big weeds, uh, you might already have big weeds down in Georgia. We don't have that up here yet, but it's coming. So you got big weeds, you got big roots, the the uh, grow, more growing points on broadleaf weeds, those types of things. What's the real key there? What, what do you think guys are missing? Is it that we aren't willing to raise the rates on the herbicides or we don't have good enough coverage or we aren't using the right surfactants? What, what is the real key to getting them under control?
4: Well, I, I think, and you're a farmer, I think every farmer has every intention of being there at the optimum time which for us as weed scientists, we're probably going to say, hey, if you're in the r- around three inches or so, you're probably going to hit a home run every time. And as you go above that stage, then you start getting into problems. You know, I've, again, I've been around a while, this is like my 30th year or so doing this. And it's it's timeliness, you know, there's so many things that get in the way of being timely, whether it's an equipment breakdown or it's wind or whatever, uh, or the size of the farm, I think, sometimes is, is, is causing us some problems. So we've got so many acres to get over, and if we have a breakdown and then we're just delayed, even a delay of one or two days can be a significant difference in, in how palm amaranth grows, for example, and it might be past the stage where it's really susceptible to whatever you're spraying.
0: No, that's true. It's not It's not a lack of want to get out there. It's it's right. many times something that could be out of your control, like weather or a breakdown. Yeah, lots of things to think about yeah. here as we're doing these spring herbicide applications. That's why we have yeah, Eric Prosco on right now from University of Georgia. Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And good luck to you guys down All in right. Georgia this spring.
4: All right. Have a great day. Thanks again for uh, having me on.
0: You bet. We'll be right back after this.
4: Warehouse, what can we do
2: for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen.
0: All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a
3: microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Envita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans.
2: Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Envita.
3: <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Envita while supplies last.
2: Farmers across the country are raving about the Germinator closing system from Farm Shop MFG. Paul from New York says, My planter has never worked so well on soybeans. I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more success stories from farmers everywhere and order a set for your planter this spring, visit farmshopmfg.com.
1: There are a lot of choices for closing systems in the market. 360 Wave has been topping them all on side-by-sides. More plants and ears, more bushels. They're in stock and ready to ship from 360. Most closing systems attempt to close from the top down. Wave closes from the bottom up, rolling moist soil over the seed, plus put starter fertilizer in the sweet spot. There is still time to upgrade your closing system with 360 Wave. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com.
2: Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy to take mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin studio today. And our topic is spring herbicide application. Our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question or want to talk about this topic, you can also email us radio at agphd.com. Although I don't see many pictures of sprayers out in the field coming in right now. It's been so windy and... One of the guys that gets to deal with this is our friend Dean Grossnickel with Syngenta down in Iowa. Dean, that's been a challenging spot to get anything sprayed.
5: <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Like you said, the, the wind is just one of the obstacles that we've had. And, you know, a little bit of the rainy weather as well. So it's it's put a little bit of a... Uh, time crunch on trying to get some of the field work done here this spring.
0: You know, one of the things that I was thinking that that I should be thankful for is that it's been cold. And normally I'd say, "What? You're, you're nuts! Yeah. Uh, you don't like cold." But because it's been cold, we don't really have weeds that are. I mean, we have a few, but not very many coming in the field. So I don't think we've missed the window yet where we've got to change things with our pre. But what are you seeing down in Iowa? Are you are you having to change things up a little bit and add something more in for burn down, or, or are you still doing okay?
5: You know we're still doing okay, and you're right. You know that is kind of a little bit counterintuitive. You know when you start to think about it, you know especially from a herbicide perspective, you know that that you'd want it cool. One, it is delaying the weed emergence, so that's on it. That gives us a little bit on our side there. Additionally, if you did spray early, you know you really, you know a lot of these herbicides are broken down uh, by metabolism, right? They're met- metabolic breakdown. And uh, from the bacteria and stuff in the soil, and if we keep those soils cool, you know, then the herbicide is not being broken down. So, you know, that it's cool is actually helping us a little bit. Um, where we do see that that um, some of these guys that have cover crops and that sort of thing. Um, we really want actively growing plants to be able to burn that stuff off appropriately, and we really haven't had the temperatures and weather to be really conducive to having a, a really effective burn down. Uh, so um, that has been one thing that's that's uh, caused a little bit of a problem out here. Uh, but um, hopefully we'll get some warmer temperatures. They'll help the Roundup, the Glyphosate work a little bit better for those burn downs, and or uh, if somebody's doing a Paraquat type application uh, with Gramoxone or something like that. Uh, again, it's going to take a long time—about you know 14 days for it to work in these cool temperatures. We really want an actively growing plant and some warmer weather. But uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. We just need some uh, warmer weather to get things going.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, talk to us a little bit about about that HPPD chemistry family, whether it's Callisto or Bicyclopyrone or some of the combinations you have that have both of them in there. Uh, what do we expect from them early season in terms of a burn down, and in, also in terms of just getting them to, to get to work out in the field so they, they kill weeds and we don't have to look at weeds this year?
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, those are two great chemistries, the the mesotrione, Callisto or Bicyclopyrone. Uh, that you can find in Acuron, um, uh, for that matter, uh, they really do a good job of of burning down what weeds that are out there. Obviously, if we're going for a burn down application, we're going to want to have uh, some sort of uh, atrazine in that mix and or uh, a little bit of crop oil to help help with burn down. Uh, per se, but the, the thing that, that I don't think a lot of people realize is that both those chemistries have a great residual component to them as well. And so, not only are you taking care of the weeds in a burn down application, you then will uh, get that to wash off that, uh, that residue and be a nice foundation uh, for. Um, for your residual control for small seeded broadleafs from the mesotrione, that's going to work on your uh, lamb's quarter, your water hemp, palmer if you have it. And then the bicycle pyrone, that's giving you additional water hemp uh, control and or your large seeded broadleafs like velvet leaf, uh, cocklebur, morning glory, etc. So the combination of those two uh, make for a great burn down and then a nice foundation for that residual program.
0: Alright, one question we get very often here, Dean, and we're we're in dry land farming, dry country, South Dakota, more times than not we're dry. We like to incorporate our pre's to make sure they're down in yep. the soil. They're really light incorporation, and it take. we found it takes a little less moisture to activate them. We, we just get a little more consistent results here. Now, in areas of the country that get a lot of rain, there's a lot of guys that say, you know what, we just lay them on top, we get a rain every week, and everything works great for us. I totally understand that as well. What do you see are some of the important things for guys to keep in mind if they're incorporating prees this spring?
5: Yeah, it, again, it, it, like you said, the biggest thing is that you really want that herbicide to stay in the zone of germination, right? And for water hemp and and or your small-seeded broadleaves, they're germinating in that upper uh quarter inch to half an inch of soil so you're going to want to really if you're incorporating a nice light incorporation take out your tracks we really don't want to bury that that herbicide so um but uh, i get what you're saying especially if you're in that dry land incorporating that you're using that soil moisture to help get that into the kind of soil solution and then you uh get those uh those rains again it, it will help um help uh hedge your bets um you know uh, with your risk there, and so really that's what I would want if I'm trying to incorporate just nice light incorporation, take out those tracks. And if you're, you know, if water hemp or some of these grasses uh, like your general foxtail, etc., is your main weeds that you're going af- after, you want that in that nice, uh, nice thin layer closer to the top of the soil versus being incorporated down two to three inches, if you know what I mean. So um, that's really where we want our herbicide to do the best good for us.
0: All right, got a lot of questions around Tavium and that kind of concept of putting out a a dicamba with a residual on the early side this year. For guys that are using Extend and Extend Flex soybeans, we hear, you know what, I want to use dicamba early. I, I got out there when it was too warm or whatnot later in the season, or I pushed it too close to that date where I couldn't spray it anymore, and then the weather turned against me, I didn't get it used, so I want to use it early. What have you learned with that product so far?
5: Well, Really, I mean, again, those early, the dicamba is a great product as far as a a burn down alternative. We've shied away from that in that soybean space because we didn't have a trait to go along with it. And if you read the old dicamba label, if you're using it for a burn down, you need about thirty days of wait time and an inch of rain. Well we just talked about not being able to get rain and that sort of stuff so it really gives us a burn down opportunity as well as getting that residual from the dual if you're using a tavium type product you got dicamba dual together you get a nice base there um with the technology of the the extend or extend flex soybean uh again we can use that as a burn down uh opportunity and uh you know the dicamba does does a great job of burning down some of those tough weeds like giant ragweed, et cetera, from that pre-space. So it's a great opportunity to utilize that chemistry. We have the trait to do it, and uh, I just really like it from a burn-down um, perspective.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, con- lot of considerations here as as we're putting together programs and getting out there with spring herbicide applications. Um uh, you know, when, when we think about it, what are some of the big questions you're getting, Dean, as as uh, guys get delayed getting into the field? They're thinking about, man, do I have to make any changes? Or I don't think anything really changes for the herbicide program, does it?
5: Um, it could, depending on what you're utilizing, right? Um, the biggest thing that I, I find is is that soybean space, because a lot of our, our soybean prees, um, if their beans get up, crack the surface, all of a sudden our options become very, very limited, right? Because uh, especially if you've got uh, soybean pre's that have some sort of sulfentrazone in it or, uh, say, flumioxin or some other PPO type or herbicide that can um, can really ding those beans if they crack the surface, Um if you have one of those in your program, you're going to really want to pay attention to when did you get planted and how quickly can you get back out there and get it sprayed if you're laying it on top or make sure you have them incorporated uh, early on because um, we really don't have options on that soybean space. On the corn side of things, we really don't have to change things up a whole lot because a, um, a lot of these chemistries um, – uh say from an acuron standpoint lexar lumax in our portfolio we can use them pre uh up to 12 inch corn because um we got the limit because of the atrazine in there but there's nothing nothing really that's going to hurt us if our corn gets up out of the ground we just may want to make sure that we get in there in a timely fashion because we got we want to eliminate the weed competition. But we got more options on that corn side, soybean side. We may have to change things up depending on what's going on.
0: Yeah, lots to think about as we look at spring herbicide applications. That's why we're happy to have Dean Grossnickel on with Syngenta to, to help us out. Dean, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
6: The next generation of weed control in wheat. Wide AR Match herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of wide match.
3: Mm Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match herbicide.
6: Oh, my bad. From the top. Wide R Match from Corteva Agriscience. It's not a typo, it's an upgrade. The AR stands for Alex Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds and wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more.
5: Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your
2: tank. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme herbicide from FMC combines group 14 and group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: talking spring herbicide applications on today's ag phd radio program and we'd love to visit with you our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can always email us radio at agphd.com let's head over to minnesota we've got beth Stahl with us right now with fmc and and beth thanks for joining us
3: Uh, You're
0: welcome. Thank you. Hey, one thing that I want to start with is just who FMC is. And it's interesting because I know we've had a number of folks from FMC on the show over over the last year. And uh, we've had a few growers say, wait, isn't FMC the insecticide company? And I'm like, well, they used to be, but do you realize what they have in their portfolio? Now, can you tell us a little bit? We're talking spring herbicide application. What are some of the herbicides that the growers should be aware of and probably some brand names they're really familiar with?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and FMC's evolved a lot since I joined them about 10 years ago, but um, on the the herbicide side of things, of course, we have two new brands, Authority Edge and Authority Supreme, and in in my area, we've had Authority first around for a long, long time, and then also Anthem Max, and Anthem Max can be used both in pre-emerge and post-emerge in both corn and soybeans. All right. The other one that
0: I've got a lot of questions about, maybe I'll start with this, Beth, is AIM. We've okay. got a lot of growers now that have got some winter annual weeds out there that are starting to get a little size to them in some areas. And we're right. also looking for tank mix partners for Roundup, so we don't have to use so much Roundup. Uh,
3: exactly. Talk,
0: talk to us a little about AIM, because this is one that personally I think is really undersold in the industry. It's a very useful tool, and and there are a lot of pros about it. So talk to us just a little bit about that one.
3: I agree with that. AIM is, is you know, we do a lot of tillage in the eastern part of the state, but where we do have no-till situations, AIM can be a super useful tool because it's, you know, it doesn't cost a lot of money to add an ounce of AIM into a tank mix. And any time you've got, um, you know, dandelion and thistle, for example, in my territory, uh, would be two problematic weeds in no-till. And That AIM will just make Roundup work all that much better.
0: Yeah, we've we've been targeting mostly winter annual weeds uh, in, okay. in our geography, and that's been pretty nice. It's been a real big helper on kochia, which uh, I know as you come west is is a major competitor, and, and north in Minnesota too. So that's mm-hmm. been a nice one that, that you should take a look at, and and uh, I would recommend talking to your retailer about that particular one to to add right. to the mix. Uh, okay, now Absolutely. you mentioned um, a, a few different products, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on Anthem Max because this is one that. Uh, these Anthem products have been really fun to work with. Uh, what is Anthem Max and, and where should we be looking for a timing on that one?
3: Anthem Max we could start with right now. Anthem Max is a combination of peroxis sulfon, or the active ingredient and Zidua plus Cadet. And so um, it's a, a great product to start with right now if you do need a little bit of burn down, but also just provides... Great residual control on small seeded broadleaf weeds like water hemp and grass, both. And so we could start with Anthemax applications right now, but take those all the way out to six trifoliate and soybeans. And so that, that product provides a lot of flexibility. It can be used in both corn and soybeans pre emerge or post.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of guys using that as their early post-residual, and I, I know some of the mm-hmm. guys have said, I like using that as opposed to warrant, and some guys say, well, it depends on price for me. What do you see for differences when you look at Acetochlor uh, versus that pyroxasulfone component in terms of uh, how long they last and, and what types of weeds they're after? Are they pretty similar products?
3: You start looking at bang for your buck, um, the Anthem Max is – one of the longest, if not the longest-lasting group 15 that we have that can be used early post-emerge, and it's just an excellent product for control of water hemp. and a, a, It's a great product to either you know, layer over a pre-emerge authority brand or um, in corn put it with the Callisto and Atrazine-type program and use it that way. So there's just a ton of flexibility with Anthem Max.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned that Pyroxis cell phone component, and that, of course, brings us into Authority Edge and Authority Supreme. And uh, there are a lot of different Authority products. Tell us what the difference is right. between the Edge and the Supreme.
3: You take a look at Authority Edge and Authority Supreme. They're both products that uh, can be applied up to three days beyond planting and soybeans. They're both combinations of Pyroxis and um sulfentra zone so great group 14 great group 15 but they're just a little bit different ratios um, so with the authority edge a lot of times um, we would position that maybe a little bit heavier soils where we're going to want that ability to go out and layer over the top our Anthemax product with authority supreme you get a little bit higher rate of that visual component in the pre and so um, depending upon your program and, and you know, the, the real big difference is I think if you really put the two side by side in a field, they'd both be excellent on water hump. The Authority Supreme might have a slight advantage on grass, but both are going to perform extremely well on small-seeded broadleaf weeds and grass.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have lots of choices out there, especially this year. There's a lot of growers that said, Oh, I've had trouble getting this or that and uh, like right. you were saying, well, choice A is fine and choice B is fine too. So either way, uh, exactly. you got you got a pretty nice combo. The the multi motive action thing too is something I've always liked with what uh, FMC has done with the authority products and you mentioned authority first and authority MTZ and some of the different mixes that guys use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the, the mare's tail, the authority first has been a popular product for guys fighting mare's tail. Uh, what are some of the other things that you see and, and maybe some of the other products that if you had a specific situation, you might switch to something different?
3: You know, for us in the eastern part of the state, we still battle giant ragweed. And though we've we've got a lot better tools in the last say four or five years that have come onto the market for giant ragweed control, we still, you know, Authority First is still a very popular product because of that weed. Another idea, actually, though, is to to throw in a little bit of Anth- Anthemax um, with your Authority First. It would always be an option. Um, some of the other products that we have that are still very popular, Authority Assist that has that Pursuit component in it, and then also Authority MTZ that adds a little bit of sulfentrizone and metribuzin to the mix.
0: Yeah, lots of different choices there depending on what you want to do, and mm-hmm. we often talk about using three different effective modes of action pre. Uh, right. you got some different choices there or some different modes of action depending on what you're going right. after.
3: Uh, yeah, hey, but, another oh. common or go ahead. No,
0: no, you go ahead. I, I'm going to switch gears. Another common,
3: defendant. yeah, another common application in the eastern part of the state too would be adding a little bit of metribuzin to your authority first. Um, that happens quite a bit, and you know it just adds that third mode of action to that mix as well.
0: Yeah, that's been, Metro reason has been a popular one. No doubt about that. Okay. I want to switch gears here. And I know we were talking herbicide applications, but I want to throw a curveball at you and talk about fungicide okay. applications. So a uh, number of guys now it's been cold in the North and guys have said, you know what? Uh, using any of the fungicides, they're typically thicker when it's cold. Uh, Zyway, no different. We've been using some Zyway on our farm. We've been shaking up the jugs and everything's worked great for right. us. But have you seen any issues out there and do you have any advice for guys that are getting started and it's still cold, especially in the mornings, about how to make the stuff work the best?
3: I would definitely, you know, if you've got a, a, a mini bulk sitting there, I would definitely do some recirculation on your mini bulk. One thing I've been finding is just going around to different uh, warehouses within my territory, you can see a little bit of separation in a jug, but just turning it upside down, inverting it. Two or three times, we actually get really good blending back in of those products. And with any of our products, um, you know, whether it be Capture LFR, Ethos, or Zyway, getting them out in the sunshine and a little bit warmer conditions always makes things flow a little bit better. And, um, you know, one of these days, it's going to warm up in minnesota <laughs> yes, and so anything we can do to, you know get those those products into a little warmer environment will help
0: so yeah it, it, you're right it's good advice you can get stuff inside oh that helps so much i know the fertilizer has been the same thing there have been guys doing starter right. fertilizer that off oh, they can keep that uh Uh, More like room temperature, oh, that would be great instead of outdoor start of the day in the morning temperature. But you know what? We get those challenges every spring. And and real happy to be talking with Beth Stahl here with FMC over in Minnesota. Beth, you've been generous with your time and info. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck this spring.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: We're talking spring herbicide application on today's Ag PhD radio program.
6: We'll be right back after this sprayer. Remember to look ahead into the future, because if you've made the smart decision to plant and list E3 soybeans, now's the time to protect them with Enlist herbicides. The superior tank mix flexibility easily allows multiple sites of action and keeps your weed control programs effective beyond just this season. Visit enlist.com to see how a better weed control system can help fight resistance on your fields today and tomorrow.
2: It's planting season, race against the clock season,
6: mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground.
0: Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday,
2: July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Farmers everywhere are discovering germinator closing wheels. Dick from Iowa says, In every case, our germination rate was better than expected. Total destruction of the furrow sidewall and ideal seed-to-soil contact. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio. Today, we've been talking about spring herbicide applications. But as I've been saying throughout the show, our phone lines are open. We'll tackle any agronomic question you have at 44 Ag PhD. Uh, let's head out to Central South Dakota. Got our friend Shannon on with us right now with a question. How you doing, Shannon?
7: Pretty good. How are you today?
0: Well, not too bad. Hey, first question I got to ask for you, though, is I heard you guys caught some rain out in your area that was desperately needed. Is that accurate? Did you guys catch some?
7: Yes, we did. We caught just a little over an inch on most of our acres, and it was very, that's the biggest rain we've had since, uh, I don't know, last fall there, real early before planting winter wheat. And uh, yeah, and this weekend's looking like another good chance of rain for us here coming up, so.
0: Awesome. Okay, so so you had a nitrogen question. I'm assuming it has to do with the rain as well.
7: Correct. So I see some guys putting, you know, we're blowing a lot of dry on this week we have because of the rain. Looks like it's coming. And we haven't been using any nitrogen stabilizers. What's your opinion on if it's going to rain within a week, you know, three to four days, is it worth it? That's one question. And my next question would be, if you're going to band your urea in the ground would you would you put the nitrogen stabilizer with it does it i wonder if it helps the crop better if it lasts makes the urea go longer if you
0: know what I'm saying. Sure, sure. All right, so for for everybody listening here that isn't familiar with Central South Dakota, we're talking about heavier ground usually. We're talking about not very much rain, as Shannon was saying. Uh, They got an inch of rain, and they're thrilled. That doesn't happen very often for them. So uh, he's kind of got this ideal situation where, you know what, there is rain that's almost 100% in the forecast coming. It looks like it's going to be a pretty decent quantity according to all the forecasts. So... uh, Uh, He's putting out nitrogen, putting out dry nitrogen, and just leaving it on top, waiting for the rain. Uh, There's going to be a lot of guys doing that for sure, Shannon, because the biggest concern in your area is generally volatilization. And when we've got reduced tillage and we've got residue out there, we've got the urease enzyme present that can turn that urea into uh, a form of nitrogen that can volatilize and and just go up in the air. So that's what guys are most concerned Mm -hmm. about. We've got colder conditions. Uh, we've got a lot of clouds coming through as the weather changes and, and we head towards some rainfall. We're kind of in that ideal situation. If a guy was going to gamble, this is kind of the weather that you'd gamble in, I think. So, yep, I, I think a lot of guys are probably going to do the same thing you're doing.
7: Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. But. Don't
0: have a lot of leaching potential out in central South Dakota. Right. We aren't going to get that much rain that it's going to go down. And And if it did go in a little bit, like you say, that might make it last a little bit longer, which is your second question. If you're banding it and putting it in the ground... Uh, what do we think about that, and and are we worried about it lasting very long there? Man, we've put bands out like in the last couple of years where we just haven't gotten much rain. I, I'd say conditions kind of like what you're almost always facing in central South Dakota, and we've still had dry pellets laying there late in the season. So I'm not where your geography yeah. is. I'm not super worried about it. if you're putting it in the ground, so you don't have the volatilization risk. Boy, your risk of leaching right. is pretty low
7: that was my other question yep yep
0: cool. so so yeah I think that's the ideal system is if a guy could put it put it just underneath a couple inches in or something like that but if you are just blowing some out on yep. top and we got rain uh, coming real soon here I think you're gonna be just fine
7: yep that sounds good to me
0: you bet well good luck to you how's planting coming are you guys got a lot in or you got some more stuff to do
7: uh, uh we got we've got our spring grains in our small grains uh We got some corn coming up here, but we probably won't. I'm going to see what the weather does this weekend and next week. uh, We'll probably, you know, kind of depends on how much rain and how things look next week, I guess. But we got corn and sunflowers to plant yet.
0: Yep. Yep. Very good. Well, good luck to you, Shannon. Stay safe out there. Really appreciate the call.
7: Yep. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, different country. It's it's tough farming out where Shannon ends. He, my dad always said it this way. He goes, man, you got to always get, tip your hat to the guys further north and further west from us because they just don't get rain to make up for mistakes. So there's a lot of, well, just like no matter where you're farming, there's a lot of thought that goes into what you do. But uh, certainly the guys uh, that farm with less moisture like that, man, they got to make a lot of tough decisions. And, and uh sounds like Shannon's on the right track on these ones, as, as I'm pretty confident he is. He makes a lot of good decisions. Okay. Um, uh, next question that comes in here, this one comes from Bradley, and he said, all right, guys, uh, I've been talking about these early pre-burndowns and, and residual, uh, but I was listening back to one of your previous shows back in January, and he had a farmer on that, that said he uses Valor in the fall uh, to have a residual already in the spring, and then he puts some more residual on after planting, uh, and you guys seem to like what he was doing. Would you consider that a two-pass pre-system? And would that be similar to our area where our ground doesn't freeze very often We're putting Valorant in a first pass just a little bit earlier in the spring? You know, it's kind of the same thing, I guess, Bradley. And uh, I, I think about it that way, too. Um, you know where we're at. Uh, you're right. Our ground is frozen, so we've got a bunch of months there that we're really not worried about weeds growing. And uh, so, like this farmer that you referenced, put Valor on probably a month ahead of the ground freezing up hard. So he got good burn down of what was up, and quite a bit of that Valor was still active. And then the ground froze. So when it thaws out, hey, they'll get the rest of that activity out of the Valor and where he's at, he, he's kind of a central South Dakota guy too. the one that you referenced. He's in an area much like a previous caller we had today, Shannon, who just doesn't get much rainfall. So he's not worried about it. If the weeds don't take it up, it's still going to be laying there. And so that's probably a different situation. If you get lots of rainfall, I don't think you could get away with that fall pass being your spring pre-emerge herbicide. So Yes, it's all on how you look at it, Bradley. What I would suggest, you seem to have a lot of questions about this topic. Uh, So I I love it that you're trying to do the best job you can do. I I do a few things different on on a couple different fields and just make some observations, take some pictures uh, so you remember going forward what what happened this year. Because I know for me, if I see what the yields are, that seems to dominate my memory of the field. But uh, if you see, hey, I did my pre's a little bit different on this field and I got better results on the weed control, that's awesome. and, And I'd suggest staying with it. But yeah, do a little study on your farm and see what you think. Um, You know, you can sure, I know a lot of guys in your area do that two pass pre system in the spring and and they're doing it with good results. So we, we look at it just a little different that's fine. Uh, You could try it our way on, on some and try it the way you've been doing it on others and just see if you see a difference. But I I think you're on the right track. You got a lot of different modes of action that you're trying to put into place and, um, you know, trying to spread it out a little bit to extend your residual as much as you can. So yeah, I think, I think the system you're hearing about is probably fairly similar to what you're doing. It all depends on how much rainfall you get. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Bradley. Really appreciate it. It's been, been thought provoking and, and that's always fun too. Okay, I got this one from IB uh, who says, uh, really appreciate your videos. Uh, I watched one on fixing high pH soils. He said, I'd love to uh, get videos on what I'm doing, organic mango farming with a small tree system. Oh man, IB, I wish I was an expert in that. Uh, We don't have a lot of mango trees growing where we're at, but uh, you know, one thing I can say, I don't know anything about mangoes uh, other than they're tasty, uh, but I'll say this, the soil fertility is going to be really important no matter what crop you're raising. So a lot of our soils information, like it, it looks like you've already got into uh, looking at high pH soil management and maybe some of the other soil management things that we talk about. Those things are going to pertain no matter where you're at. So a lot of those same principles will work. So I, I would look at that. And, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about mango farming, but maybe you'll find some other experts out there or some other farmers that you can compare notes with from time to time. I think that would be really fun. Hey, thanks. We really appreciate the question and, and thanks for checking out our, our content. Uh, okay. Get this one from Wesley and he's down in Kentucky. He said, I finished planting my corn crop and I usually side dress the nitrogen, putting it a few inches in the ground. I know I'm low in sulfur and boron. I'm wondering, are there any products I could put to help the crop this year? Or would it be best to try to spread it with a buggy before the corn comes up or just wait until fall and fix uh, these things at that point? You know what? Sulfur and boron move really well in the soil, especially in Kentucky. You'll be able to get them into the crop this year. So, yeah, if you could get stuff out there before the corn emerges. That would be safe to put those on you could also do some foliar work too. the sulfur maybe a little more risky than the the boron but yeah you could you can definitely get both those nutrients out or if you want to do that as your side dressing You can put sulfur and boron out at the same time. We've got a lot of guys that we work with that will put those leachable nutrients, sulfur and boron, on at the same time they put the other big leachable nutrient, nitrate, out there. So, yeah, you could do those all at the same time. You will get them in the crop this year. You will make an impact on this year's crop. And if your soils are really light, you'll need uh, two or three or maybe more applications of all three of those nutrients throughout the season. Hey, Wesley, thank you so much. We really appreciate your question. Good luck to you. I'm glad to hear you got the crop in. Uh, Now the fun begins. Well, thanks for listening to our radio program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD
7: Radio.